and praise tonight all over this place. Hallelujah. something reassuring when we understand and realize that we're not alone in this thing. Amen. I don't know about you, and I know everybody's got a different personality, but I don't like being alone. If you want to torment me, you put me in a room by myself or in a house by myself, and it won't take but a few hours. I'm climbing the walls just like people. But when you're walking through hell, you need to know that I don't have to walk through hell by myself. And you may not see it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego never saw the fourth man in the fire. But other people looked in and said, hey, these guys aren't by themselves. Just because you don't see him doesn't mean he's not there. He's there with you. He was there before you got there. Amen. Hallelujah. I invite you tonight to the book of James chapter 1. We're just going to feel after this thing tonight. The Lord moved upon me in prayer this afternoon and have a clear direction. I just want God to have his way. Bible says, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, Goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Give me a little time tonight to expound on my subject, but I want to preach on this thought, the wonder of a wasted word. The wonder of a wasted word. Could you lift your hands unto heaven right now and ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, in the name of we ask tonight for the Spirit of Almighty God to have free course and liberty with your word. My Lord, we cannot do anything without the anointing and the touch of heaven. I'm praying, God, that you would anoint these lips of clay. Take everything out of my mind that would reflect the flesh. And God, let your thoughts and your words be transferred to my mind and my mouth. In Jesus' name, shall we clap our hands unto the Lord and give him praise. Amen. Lord bless you as you're seated. 
For the word of the Lord is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The writer of Hebrews tells us how powerful the word of God really is. We understand the Bible says that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Notice it said worlds in the plural sense because there could be worlds that we don't even know about. I can tell you for sure that the physical world we see was framed by the word of God and the spiritual world was framed by the word of God. Beyond that, any other worlds that, were, that would exist, the animal world was framed by the word of God. The oceanic world was framed by the word of God. Everything about his word oozes wonder. In fact, the writer said, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful. The very first attribute to describe the coming Messiah is wonderful or full of wonder. And you could think if you could just use your imagination as God began to speak things into existence that were not there. And it reflected the wonder of that spoken word. When all of a sudden he, desi- he, he divides firmaments, and he declares this is going to be the heaven, this is going to be the earth. When he begins to fashion the earth and he begins to form seas and speaks to the sea and the border of the sea and says, you stay there. He begins to put seasons into place. All four seasons have always rotated since he spoke that word. And wonder just permeates the atmosphere at his word. All throughout the Old Testament, Though they did not have the word that we have in this written book. But he would speak. And that word was a revelation of who he was. It was a revelation of an attribute such as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord shall provide. Jehovah Rapha. The Lord is my healer. And on and on throughout time that word would speak. An attribute was revealed, a nature attached to a name, and it was just wonderful. And wonder is a recurring theme of how God does what he does throughout the Old Testament. Leading the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage by a strong hand, parting a Red Sea leading them 40 years through the wilderness, 
Everything that he did, every piece of the puzzle was filled with wonder. But now Isaiah said there's, there's going to come somebody who you've never known could be so wonderful. And the Bible tells us in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was at the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, but the darkness comprehendeth it not. So we understand the word was life. And the embodiment of the word is found in verse 14 where the Bible says, and the word was made flesh or the light that was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So every step in the Old Testament, every revelation of the Old Testament is now embodied in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the word was sporadic. But now in the New Testament, the word is emphatic because it went from something that was mysterious to something now that was visible. And it was tangible. And it was something that could be touched and it could be seen yet it still maintained a, a mystique about him. He was full of wonder and this word walked amongst men and it still reflected the wonder of the word. And he taught and he preached we could say that Jesus did more teaching than preaching because I don't see anywhere where he screamed a sermon. You read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He's sitting there just talking because you can be anointed without yelling. You can't measure anointing by decibels because I've seen men whisper under the unction of the Holy Ghost, and people crawl to an altar. I love good preaching, but I've heard a lot of yelling that didn't do anything. But you can tell when someone's been in the presence of the Lord because they just got something that resonates with the spirit of a man and wants to draw him closer to the Lord. And so the Lord began to teach, the Lord began to instruct, the Lord began to set the record straight. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are woven with wonder. Four different viewpoints, four different perspectives of the life of our Lord. But all of them paint a portrait that we could see who he was. He was the Word 
that walked among men. The Bible says that he looked upon them as sheep having no shepherd. The Bible says after everything that he spoke, after the word that oozed out of him, and flowed beginning when he was 12 years old and his parents found him in the temple astounding those of the religious hierarchy of that day. His word permeated that every area that he was in. Yet the Bible says that he marveled at their unbelief. And it said that he could do no mighty work save heal a few sick people. And here he looks, the God of heaven and earth created the very dirt that they walked on, breathed life into the very being that he was looking at. And while six days of creation were filled with the wonder of his word. By the time he hung on Golgotha and stared at people that didn't believe, looming over the horizon was the wonder of a wasted word. Everything he spoke seemingly fell on deaf ears. And he stared at people. Those that he knew how they would die. He knew the end of their life before they knew the beginning of their life. He knew everything about their family. He knew what they were, what was ailing their body. He understood and knew everything about them. And yet the wonder of a word that was repeatedly wasted of what God could have done in their life. Nagged at his heart as he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let me tell you how much God loves people. He kept speaking. And he kept speaking. And he raised up men such as Paul. He raised up men such as Peter and James and writers. And he said, I'm going to tell them how to live. Even though they wouldn't listen to me when I walked amongst them. I loved them so much that I've got to finish off this word. I love them so much that I'm going to move upon men and they're going to write as they're moved upon by the Holy Ghost. And he said, I'm going to give them a word. I'm going to tell them how to live. I'm going to tell them how to make it to heaven. I'm going to tell them how to be saved. I'm going to raise up men to preach on the day of Pentecost. And then I'm going to raise up men that are going to keep preaching truth all throughout the ages until the coming of the Lord. 
And so, my friend, I stand tonight not because I I chose this vocation, because I tell people all the time that if you choose to be a preacher, you're a fool because preaching's not a career. It's a calling. And Paul said, woe be unto me if I preach not the gospel. I'm here under a divine mandate tonight to declare the whole counsel of God and to preach the entirety of the book from cover to cover. And I'm here to tell you if you ought to be thankful for anything. You ought to be thankful God put preachers in your life. You ought to be thankful that God put preachers in a pulpit. You need to say, man of God, tell me what I got to do to be saved. Tell me what I got to do to make it to heaven. Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse number 2 Paul said preach the word Timothy you're going to be tempted to get up there and preach your opinion you're going to be tempted to get up there and preach your likes or your dislikes. But you got an obligation, Timothy. And the first thing is to preach the unadulterated word of Almighty God. Friend, there's nothing greater that you can hear than the truth of God's word. Ah, hey, listen, I'm going to be held accountable for what I preach. It cannot be tainted. It's got to be the pure word. It's got to be that word that'll get you out of your pit and get you on a rock that's never moving and never changing. Clap your hands unto God. Be instant in season. Out of season. You know what that tells me? Preach when you don't want to preach. Because everybody goes through seasons. Seasons when you feel like you're invincible because God's working and God's answering prayers and you feel like you're on that mountaintop. But Timothy, you got to come off that mountain and that season's going to change and you're going to have to live through the dead of winter when no trees are blossoming and no fruit is showing. And Timothy, when you don't feel like preaching, you got to get up and preach the truth of that word. Hey friend, you don't know the times I walk up here and I don't even want to be at church but hear me I still got to preach truth I still got to give you the book I still got to give you the word reprove rebuke and exhort with all Timothy don't you reprove don't you rebuke and don't you exhort Unless you couple it with long-suffering and doctrine. You better be patient with those sheep, Timothy. man told me years ago, he'd been in the ministry probably 50 years. We were sitting in his vehicle when I was an evangelist. And he began to cry. He said, son, remember what I'm fixing to tell you. Don't you ever get mad at God's people. Because the one time it co- a man got mad, it cost him a trip to the promised land. God's got a lot of mercy with his people. 
just like you've got a lot of mercy with your kids. And every time my old flesh starts getting flustered, I hear the words of that elder preacher as I see tears stream down his face. Don't you get mad at God's people. God does something in the heart of a pastor. I can't explain it. I've been talked to seven ways from Sunday, and all I can do is say, God, save them, because I want people to make it to heaven. I don't want anybody to be lost. I don't want anybody to be lost. Why do you get up there, Pastor, and keep doing it when you don't feel like it? Because I don't want you to be lost. God chose the foolishness of preaching. Save them. Listen to me. Put that verse up there. 1 Corinthians 121. The foolishness of preaching does not save everybody. It will only save them that believe. A lot of preaching has gone forth from this pulpit. A lot of messages have raced across the ears of people in this congregation through the years. But it didn't save everybody because not everybody believed the word that was preached. Just like people that heard the words that Jesus said and left the same way that they showed up. Because they didn't believe. God chose the foolishness of preaching. You better believe before God delivers a message to a church that he's already preached to the preacher. He's already worked the preacher over. Because that preacher has to be saved just as much as the sheep have to be saved. And when that priest before he ever ministered to the congregation in that tabernacle. He first had to go and minister for himself. And he had to go behind the veil for himself. Friend, God deals with that preacher. God deals with that pastor because he's got to be saved. And I'd love to tell you that every preacher is going to be saved. But not every preacher is going to be saved. Just like not every saint's going to be saved. But if we'll hear a word tonight and we'll say, I don't want to just listen to the word. I don't just want to hear what that man of God saying but I want to mix it with faith and I want to apply it to my life and I want to be a doer of the word how many times do we hear a message go forth from a pulpit Better yet, how many times do we listen to a podcast or we listen to a message on YouTube and now people are, have access to, to, to preaching 24-7 and we'll listen to the Word and we'll go, oh, that was a good message. And we grade it, but we don't do anything with the message. The word's going forth. 
just like it did when Jesus walked amongst them for those three and a half years ministering to people. And even his own disciples didn't know what to do with what he was saying. How many times does the preacher preach on forgiveness, but we don't forgive? How many times does he preach on bitterness, but people stay bitter? How many times does he preach on stirring up the gift in you and being renewed and on and on and on and on and on. And the list could just keep going as God leads that man of God to preach that word. And we leave church and we say, oh, that was a good message. Here's of the word. James said, that you've got to be, you can't just be a hearer of the word. You've got to be a doer of the word. Listening to that sound of a man of God pouring out his heart as God has stirred him and he's got to unload a burden and we leave the same way that we can. We can point to the Pharisees and we can point to the Sadducees and we can point to those that were with Jesus that day and we could say how could they let those moments pass them by and yet we do the same exact thing. Moment after moment, message after message, wondering what would have happened if we would have applied something. This is what James said. James said, he that is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man holding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. He seeth himself and yet he goes and forgets what manner of man he saw. I'll put it like this. When you look into the Word, it will show you who you really are. All of your flaws. Every area that you need to work on. And the reason people don't like to look is because they don't like what they see. I can trace back every time I started gaining weight. You know what I didn't do? Weigh. Because it told the truth. And I didn't like what it said. And so I avoided what was going to hit me the hardest. And because I avoided it, I just kept getting worse and worse and worse. I live by the motto, the fastest way to feel skinny is buy clothes too big. Something about hiking them up that makes you feel like you're doing good. And people who avoid the word generally are avoiding it because it's going to expose Something that they don't like. And so it'd be like this if you're a hearer of the word. It'd be like going to look in the mirror and seeing that you've got stuff all on your face and 
and, and you've got all these problems with your face and your clothes are messed up and you see it and then you just walk away and don't do a thing about it. And the writer said, he that's a hearer will see the areas that he needs to work on. But then he's just going to walk away and forget how bad off he really is. But that doer's going to look in the mirror and say, hold up. I got to fix my clothes. I got something on my face. I got to tie it. I can't go. And he's going to address the areas in his life that are flawed when you're a doer of the Word. The Word of God is not lacking anything. It's as powerful today as it's ever been. It's got the same creative power that it had when he began to speak the world into existence. There's never been a problem with the Word. There's always been a problem with what we do with the Word. We cannot, the Bible says that when we stand before God, we will be without excuse. How many words are wasted? Service after service. Sunday after Sunday. Because we don't do anything with them. God's trying to move somebody tonight. Listen to me. I got way more convicted probably than you'll ever get because God worked me over thinking of all of the messages I heard where I made a covenant with God and I said, God, I'm going to do this and God, I'm not. And, and, all of these words and they, I started good. I had good intentions. Somewhere along the way, I stopped doing what I said I would do. Hey, I'm a man, just like you're a man and you're a woman. Times where the Holy Ghost began to speak, you need to go try to teach a Bible study. And I got gung-ho, and then somewhere along the way, I didn't do anything with it. How many times has God moved upon you to pray more, moved upon you to fast more, moved upon you to give more, moved upon you to forgive that person you got a grudge against, moved upon you to praise like you've never prayed. Praise time and time again. Messages going forth. God reaching, God telling, God wanting to do something. And we just listen. Oh, that was good preaching. Two days later, you can't say a word that was said in a message. We shout, but we're not changed. Because shouting doesn't change anybody. But applying the word is what changes people. I've often wondered what hell's going to sound like. See, when you get to heaven, there's going to be 30 minutes of silence. And then God's going to wipe away everybody's memory. And so you won't have any knowledge of those that never made it. You'll know those who made it, 
But you'll forget everything about who didn't make it. You know why? Because heaven has no torment. And so if you remembered everybody and started going, well, so-and-so's not there, you'd be tormented for all of eternity. So God is going to wipe everybody's memory. And so you won't know who's not there. You'll know who's there. But sound never stops. It travels. And hell will be filled with memories. Let me tell you what else hell may be filled with. It may be filled with the sound of sermons of years gone by. And all of eternity will be filled with the wonder of wasted words. When you replay in your mind every service you sat through and you hear that preacher say, you better get right with God because he's fixing to come back. And you're going to hear that preacher say that you need to forgive that person that you've been holding a grudge against. And you hear that preacher say that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when you first believed. And you're going to wonder for all of eternity. Why did I not listen to the word that went forth? I'll tell you why. Because we've convinced ourselves that I'll always have another opportunity. And I'll always have another Sunday. And I'll always have another service. The Bible said no man knoweth the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh as a thief in the night. He'll show up to take his bride. And I hear Not the minute hand clicking. It's on 11.59. I hear the seconds that are clicking. Friend, hear the word of the watchman tonight. The nine is coming. The nine is coming. And we better make hay while it's day. For the night cometh. When no man can work. Stand with me right now. I don't want another word preached in my life to fall on deaf ears. Just the piano tonight. My prayer tonight It's got every word that I've ever heard. If I need it back in my life, bring it to my memory. If I'm struggling to forgive somebody tonight, God, let that word that I once heard come and stir my heart. If there's areas that are keeping me from heaven, I know you gave me a word. And God, I'm asking you to bring it back to my memory and let it work on my heart. 
I don't want to waste another word. Because just as wonderful as his word is, there's wonder in a wasted word. But it's going to be the wonder of why didn't I listen? Why didn't I heed? Why didn't I do what I knew I was supposed to do?